Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm especially excited today to have uh, someone in the studio with me who is not only a friend, but she happens to be my associate producer of Women to Watch. And her name is Edna Valentino. And Edna is the associate producer of Women to Watch, as well as founder of Ignite Your Power Coaching. Thank you so much for coming in today. This is so fun. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm excited because I, I've come to know Edna recently, and I am extremely um, uh, fond of her and impressed with the work that she does. So I'm excited to have a conversation today and learn some things maybe that I don't know about you. Um, so I thought we would um, jump right in and get started with your backstory a little bit for the listeners so they get to know who you are behind the scenes. And um, I really wanted to, to start with uh, the piece of your life that has a lot to do with who you are today. And, and that was a little bit of moving around that you did as a young girl, um, not only living in three different places, but having attended four different schools. So talk about that yes. a little bit. Um, Change was my middle name, and I think it still is because of the way that I grew up. And actually, um, I've lived in 14, I think we've moved 14 times. Wow. So it's been more than those, but it, between, I was born in Kansas. Okay. I was, uh, I lived in Virginia until I was 10, and then I've lived in Pennsylvania ever since. But my parents were always moving. I think they were trying to follow their dream and trying to grow the family and, and keep moving up, and it just required a lot of moving. Um, a, a lot of people asked if I was, you know, an Army brat. I was not. Um, my parents were just trying to figure it out. So I think at last count, excluding the living off campus in college and where I moved there, it's been 14 times that I've moved. Wow. That's that's incredible. That's you know the first thing that comes to my mind is that is a tough thing for a young child, um, a young girl in your case because you know you're you're just kind of getting roots and then the next thing you know you're moving on to someplace else and that's a time when we're trying to figure out who we are and who our friends are and um, so I know that for you there were pluses and minuses to that. What were some of the challenges moving? The hardest part was meeting people and making friends, feeling like I could fit in. And with every move, more than likely I was starting a new school, which just uh, the first day of every new school, I cried. I cried at home. I cried all the way to school. And I cried when I got there. I just was one of those kids that needed to have friends and feel like I belonged. And every time we started over, my sister, who's two years younger, would be like, there she goes again. She's going to cry. <laughs> Big <Whereas>, cry, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and my sister was like always, you know, really tough. And she was able to just get in there and, you know, do her thing. So we were very opposite that way. But the change was always, you know, is my teacher going to like me? Am I going to make friends? What do I have to do to meet these people? Um, am I going to keep up? Am I going to fit in? And uh, as a kid, that's all all you want to do is belong, right, right. you know, and yes. I only had one sister, my mom and dad, and um, school was a big deal to me. I liked going to school, so I enjoyed it once I was there. But that initial thing of like, oh, here we go again was just 
it, it just it killed me every time. Yeah. But you also talk about the positive uh, piece to moving around so much and giving you that ability to kind of be very comfortable with change and, and new things. I think the positive piece really came as an adult, um, probably around college. Um, I started realizing that that change I embraced. I actually don't know how to do. I, I never liked routine as an adult. Um, I, I would change my furniture in my dorm room or at home in my apartment. Uh, you know, every few months, I, I physically needed change. Um, I like doing new activities and different things like that to meet new people because that was a change. Um, so I really embraced it as an adult. I was able to go into and still am able to go into a group of people and I get excited about it because I'm excited to hear about people and their stories and meet them. Um, and I'm not afraid to shake somebody's hand and say, hello, my name is Edna because I've done it a million times. Right. <laughs> you know? Hello, my name is. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So to me now as an adult, I feel like I'm capable, I'm more flexible, and I'm ready to go with the flow. So there aren't too many curveballs that I can't handle because I'm used to change. Yeah. Tell me what, what was it that um, mom and dad, you know, when you're, you had a stepfather, mm -hmm. but um, your mom and dad initially, what was it they were looking for? Why were they going to so many different places? You know, it's it's funny because I'm, I'm not even sure I should probably ask them that question, but I know that at the time there were a lot of... Um, houses for rent. And so they rented a lot because I don't think they ever felt like they wanted to settle there. So they're like, we'll rent and then we'll move to where we really want to be. And this might be that bridge, you know, that stepping, taking the next step. And then maybe the owner would sell it and they didn't want to buy it. Or maybe um, at one point when we moved to Pennsylvania, uh, my dad was from here and he wanted to come up here. My mom was more than willing and it was a job change. So, it, you know, there were some different things um, going on in their lives that just got us to change. And I don't know that they actually knew, uh, you know, looking back on it, I feel like it was so hard starting out. Um, they always threw us in the car and we went for road trips and we were always easy to adjust mm -hmm. kind of because that was the practice. You right. just were always used to something new and you just adjusted, you got through it. And, um, so that's kind of, you know, how it happened for us and for them, they were just trying to look for making it better for the family. Make, uh, your mom, did she w work outside of the house? Yes. What did she do? They both worked. Uh, my mom was an orthodontic assistant for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. And now she's in marketing um, and a patient advocate for one of the local hospitals. Okay. Einstein. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, when I was looking over your profile and looking at the, the, the uh, different schools that you went to, mm -hmm. and again, that's difficult for a young girl. And there's a story that you talk about um, your sophomore year at Villa Maria Academy, which is here in Philadelphia for the listeners. Um, and you were um, voted vice uh, class president, rather. Mm -hmm. And then you decided to leave that school. Oh, scandalous. What was it about that? <laughs> well, my mom had said to my sister and me, I want you to go to Villa Maria uh, for your freshman year. If you don't like it and you can't stand it, you can leave, but you have to go the first year. I loved Villa. Ninth grade was great. I made friends. It was just this great. It was where I belong that year. And um, I made some great friends. And I, I never had the desire, really, to do student council. So it was interesting now, and looking back, that I was that involved in the school and all of the activities that I would run for class president and then get it. So to me, it was such a um, testament to the friends I had made and what they felt about me 
my freshman year to be class president for the sophomore year. So sophomore year, we did all the activities. I had the team and we, you know, did the sophomore things. And that year was, is really interesting. And I think for a lot of sophomores, it can be because you're not the freshman, you're not the baby of the school, you're not the seniors going to college. Junior year, you're taking all these tests and sophomore year, you're just kind of getting by. You're 15 years old or so, mm-hmm. driver's license. You know, there's a lot of changes that way, figuring out who you are a little bit more. Um, and underneath that outward appearance of being class president and going with the flow and being what I recollect as a model villa student, I was crumbling inside, feeling like I wasn't sure who my friends were. And that's how I remembered it. This is what's really interesting because they say perception's reality. And at the time, I felt like for some reason, I felt like my friends were changing. You, you know, you wanted to, you're driving more. You want to go to this party. You want to be with this club. You want to, you know, be with the boys down the street at the at Malvern. Um, so there was this like transition of where we belonged. And now, as an adult, I look back and I realize that was the year my parents were going through a divorce. And so at home, I was falling apart and trying to keep it together at school and try to put on this face that I was class president, everything's okay, and and still trying to find my way and so are my friends. And I mean, I, looking back, I'm like, gosh, that was a crazy year. You know, yeah. how did you get through that? And so junior year, I, w- I didn't realize this at the time. So I went back to Villa my junior year, and I, I don't even remember the summer between sophomore and junior year, but I just remember getting to those first few days at Villa, my junior year, and saying, I can't do this. I just, I have to leave. And I said to my mom, this isn't working. I came home in tears. I just didn't feel like I fit in. It was almost like going back to those feelings of starting those new schools. And the option at the time was to go to the public school, which was Coatesville Area Public High School, which is extremely large, very diverse. It was a district that we were in, and it could not have been 100, it was 180 degrees different than Villa. And it was the perfect thing for me that year because I was able to find that I could make friends. Everybody at that school had a friend because it was so big. Everybody fit into wherever you were. Um, I My homeroom teacher was the volleyball coach. So I got on the volleyball team, which I played, and made friends right away. And I remember that year getting what I call mouthy. <laughs> I just, what? You? <laughs> yes, I know. I, it was like That's I swung fresh. the pendulum, you know? Uh-huh. It was like, I have to get out from what I've been doing, and I have to hang out with different people, and I'm tough, and I can stand up for myself. And I just remember myself, I didn't get too crazy, but I just remember even thinking, is this really me? Like, who is this? You know? And again, you're just trying to find yourself. Mm-hmm. And... um it was the best thing my mom could have done was to take me out. And my sister stayed at Villa, so she got all the repercussions of everyone saying, oh, what happened to Edna? How could she possibly leave? And oh, my gosh. And then senior year, my mom ended up moving again. And um, my parents were divorced at that time, so she ended up moving. And we literally lived down the street from Villa. And I thought, am I going to start at third high school? Or am I going to go back to Villa and just graduate and move on to college? And so I went back to Villa, a changed person. The the power of that one year was my goal at Villa is to get into a good college. And Villa is an amazing school. It is great. It got me prepared. I had three hours of homework every night. I knew I was absolutely prepared for college. Socially, um, I needed something bigger and different and also just a different outlet, I think, as you know, my parents are going through a divorce and I'm trying to find myself as a 15, 16 year old. And I went back to Villa and thought, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens here, it's for a year. 
I need to go to college and it's going to be okay. And, you know, to be honest, I don't even think my friends from high school, which now I connect with on Facebook and social media, even know that story. But looking back on it now, it was all about Edna. It was me going through my transition. It wasn't anybody outside. It's interesting. I'm curious to to know if you were wanting to leave because you didn't feel you could talk to your friends about the divorce that your mom and dad were going through and you wanted to kind of be somewhere where people didn't know you and yeah, have to know. Yeah. And yeah. at Villa, I mean, you know, let's be honest, we, there's probably like 85 to 90 kids in the class. Um, there were, you know, well-to-do families there that that um, had more money than I did. Um, some of them were getting new cars. I had to get the old used car that my parents said you have to save and put the repairs in. And they had me earn it, mm-hmm. um, which is a good lesson now that I see. But I think on the outside, I thought my family maybe didn't measure up you know, to Mm -hmm. what was there. But when I went to a bigger school, a public school, more diversity, there were so many stories and different types of families that I could fit in easily. And that's me as an adult now looking back on it. I don't think I put this much thought into it at the Mm -hmm. time. But interesting, your sister didn't have those same feelings. She stayed. No. And well, and personality wise, my sister and I were always black and white. We were just always on the opposite side of the spectrum about everything, which was okay. Her personality allowed her to deal with change differently than mine, and she mm-hmm. was able to stay, and I wasn't, and then ended up going back, you know, this senior year. So you you graduated, and you mm-hmm. went off to Scranton, mm-hmm. and you majored in communications. Yes. We have that in common. Yeah. And I, I want to know if that was something you selected out of really having, you know, aspirations to work in television and radio and broadcasting, or... Um, in my case, I chose it because I eliminated everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't a math scientist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I really wasn't sure, but I just felt like that was where I belonged. <laughs> How was it for you? For me, I love television production. And I remember, I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. I don't remember. The, oh, it was Soap Dish. It was a movie with Sally Field. I don't think it was a big um, movie, but I remember sitting in the movie theater and the, the premise was the behind the scenes of a soap opera. And in that movie, you got to see the cameras and the lights and action behind the scenes. And ever since that movie, I just always knew it was television production that I, I wanted, you know, to go into. So communications was television production was under that umbrella at the University of Scranton. And even the junior year when I went to Coatesville, that public school had a television station in the school. So it was, and I was able to get into that class. So we did the morning news on TV and every classroom had a TV. So it was kind of cool that year for me for the first time to dive into how cameras work and how producing a show works and timing and that kind of thing. So that was my first taste. And then at the University of Scranton, I dove in head first. You dove in. <laughs> and, and for you, the creative piece is, all, is, is what's interesting to you. I, I'm guessing you didn't have aspirations to be in front of the camera and be an actress. You really wanted to be producing and creating. The producing was big um, because there's so many pieces to that. Um, and in college, I tried out for the talent piece. I didn't want to be an actress, but maybe a reporter. I wasn't sure. And I would do the cool thing about college is you get to try everything, you know? And so I would be the sideline reporter at our basketball games. And then the next week I would, um, produce it from, you know, the, the control room, Mm -hmm. um, in another building. And then I would run the camera and then, you know, the next thing. So, and every week we had the, the school, um, the news, um, 
that would, I, I guess it would be, gosh, it hasn't been all that long. I can't even remember. <laughs> but we would have all our roles for, for the actual show that would air in the cafeteria, in the dorm rooms, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, and there was a new building. Somebody had donated money for a new um, television studio. So it was fun to just try out all this cool new stuff. And I'm very visual. So TV was always it for me. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a, a story you mentioned to me about your first job right out of Scranton, out of college, um, <laughs> and you went to um, apply to a job at WGAL, mm-hmm. and your future boss asked you a question, and what did you say? Well, WGAL, Channel 8, I lived in Lancaster. My mom did. Again, there was another another move while I was another in college. <laughs> and I came home, and I had interned at the station um, my junior year in college, I think, during the summer. And I loved it. They had a live show, a talk show at noon, and then they had the news. And there seemed to be opportunity there. And they tended to hire their interns out of college. So I applied for a part-time position that paid barely minimum wage. And here I am with a Bachelor of Arts in Communications, and I'm applying for a minimum wage job, which is what we all do, right? Yes. Um, And it was in my (laughs) field, so I was excited. I'm like, I just need to get my foot in the door. I got the internship. Will they hire me? And we're sitting there, um, and my boss says, you know, after so many questions, he tells me about the job, and he says, what do you really want, Edna? which I thought was a great question. And I I just blurted out, I really want a full-time job. You know, can you help me with that? And he said, well, actually, there are two jobs coming down the pike that aren't posted yet. Let me look at them and see if that would work for you. And one of the jobs was in master control, which I really didn't have any interest in, even though it paid more. I That tempted me out of school with school loans <laughs> coming. I was yes. like, do I take the one for the money or do I take the job that is going to pay less but is actually what I want to do? And, and were I, you living at home? I was. You were? Yes. Okay. Um, so I took the one that I really wanted to do. And I was a part-time camera operator and a part-time technical director for the weekend um, newscast, which was really oh, cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And so because he asked me, what do you really want? And because I knew I wanted full time and I told him, you know, that's a lesson I tell people, know what you want, because somebody might ask you and you need to say it and you right. might get it. That's hey, right. you know, yeah. so I was able to to get that job and I was there for about a year learning and growing. Yeah. No, that is a great lesson. I think we we don't always realize that it's okay to actually ask for what we want and if they say no well then you're not any worse off than before you asked um exactly especially as women especially as women we need to ask for what we want and not feel bad about it yeah um i want to talk about your mom for a minute because Mm -hmm. you know i know that she's um very important in your life and you're very close and and you consider her a mentor for you what types of conversations did she have to you growing up that that really kind of helped to build your confidence and self-esteem you know my mom was um we always had heart to hearts and we were very similar so the conversations were always good but I think the biggest thing about my mom was was she led by example and she's she lived a different life than I did she um had me at 23 years old and then my sister two years later and then went through a divorce a few years after that. And it was just, um, it was, you know, now as a mom, I have my own two kids and I look at her and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how did she do that? My mom had an amazing work ethic and it was more survival. Like she had to provide for her two girls. Mm-hmm. And so she would work wherever she had to do whatever time and make sure, you know, that that 
everything was covered. She provided for us and made sure there was a way. And I think my sister and I got that. We got a great work ethic. We love working, sometimes to a fault. You know, mm-hmm. we kind of have to reel it in. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing was about feeling. My mom always said, you know, you don't, uh, you're allowed to feel the way that you feel. She always gave us permission to, if we were frustrated, if we were angry or sad or happy, it was okay. But what ha- came next was what was important. You're allowed to feel the way you feel. What are you going to do with that? And so that was always something that I think now I even bring into my coaching, that when I have clients, you know, especially women, um, even my personal training clients, you're okay. it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be mad. It's okay. Are you going to sit in, in that? Are you going to dwell yeah. and keep yourself here? Or are you going to move yourself forward? Yeah. And yeah. that was something I think I got from my mom that was truly a life lesson. Yeah, that's great. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about um, your coaching with women. We'll be right back, everyone. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes, Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the City of Light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip, or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. 
InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch. Uh, my name is Sue Rocco, and I'm in the studio today with Edna Valentino, and we're having a great conversation. Edna is my associate producer, um, actually, of the show, but she's also founder of Ignite Your Power Coaching. And Edna, Edna excuse me, um, uh, is a personal trainer as well and a life coach, um, but I decided to switch roles with her and, and ask her questions today and find out what makes her tick. Um, and just before the break, we were talking about, you know, your your life growing up and a lot of moving around and what that did to you. Um, and I asked about your mom because I think that um, typically a child who's going from place to place would, would have a sense of, of insecurity, but that your mom really made you feel safe, which always, especially for young women, gives you a sense of confidence and self-esteem. And I think that probably, you know, attributed to the life that you've had and, and some of the choices that you've made. Um, so you were working at the television station at WGAL, um, and then you suddenly felt the need for a change. <laughs> a right? year into it. Uh, yes. Right. So a year later, you were getting a little antsy. Yes. Um, and uh, tell us what your next step was. Well, I remember getting, I just had outgrown the position and needed to get out. And um, I would look at um, every week in the newsroom, there would be broadcasting and cable magazine and some of the other trade magazines. And I couldn't wait to get my hands on them because I'd flip to the back and open to the classifieds. And I just wanted to know that there were jobs out there that I could do, even if I wouldn't take them because they were in North Dakota or West Virginia and I wouldn't move to these different places. I just wanted to see if there was anything I could take locally. But if not, at least there was possibility that, right. wow, I'm qualified for this one and this one. Okay, something's going to come down and it'll be local and I'll be able to or be somewhere that I would 
you know, willingly be able to go. And um, the closest thing was QVC. And I had applied to them directly and got that nice HR letter that says, thank you for your interest. We don't have anything open. We'll be in touch. And <laughs> Keep you unfiled. Exactly. And you know where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And at the time, telephone books were still around. And um, I looked in, you know, um, the phone book for different categories. I, I don't, I guess wedding videos I, was one of them. And um, I would send my resume to all these people. And there was actually a guy that had his own video production company doing wedding videos that said, I don't have a job for you. He he actually called me, I think, and said, I got your resume. I don't have something for you, but I know this guy at QVC. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. my God, this is my in. And yeah. I got an interview and I got the job. And so, um, and going back to the man I told you earlier that hired me at Channel 8, I had to give him my two weeks notice and this is a much older gentleman set in his ways we'll say has been at the station for a while and I remember going in and I think he was shorter than me <laughs> and I remember standing in front of his office being so excited about giving this two weeks notice and my letter and I said to him I'm going to QVC well that was a path many people through that station took because it was the next biggest station that wasn't Philly right so it was and what you know, year, do you know what year that was it was 1999-ish, okay. mm-hmm. um, 98, 99. And um, I said, I'm going to QVC. And he looked at me and he said, just know this. You never have a job waiting for you here if it doesn't work out and you want to come back. Wait. Oh, you never have a job? Never. He said to me, if you leave, you're not coming back. So if it doesn't work out, good luck. Well, you're, we're not hiring yeah, you. Yeah, there was no congratulations. Nothing. Good best of luck. Do you need a referral or a reference? And, wow. and it, it was the best thing he could have said to me because I thought, I made the right decision. I don't want to be working for this yes. man. And I'm going to show you. you oh, know? right. Challenge. It, yes. There's a challenge. Exactly. I ha- This is going to work out. And and to me, it was also on the flip side, like, why wouldn't he think it would work out? You know, like, why would he? But then I, you know, after I walked out of his office, office, I'm thinking, oh, he must lose a lot of people to this great place and they never come back. Yeah. You know, so he was not happy about me leaving. Wow. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to do better. And I was at QVC for eight years. So now, there. Yes, yeah, so there. <laughs> right. There's nothing that motivates you more than someone saying, you know, you're not going to make it. Right? Exactly. You're going to prove them wrong. That, you know? Actually, I, I like that you, you took that as a chance. You didn't kind of, you know, um, shrivel up because somebody said, you know, a, a negative thing. You're like, I'm going to, you know, prove him wrong. I know. What was the job that you took right then? What was that first job with QVC? Um, I was, let me see, I was a freelancer and I was in the control room. So um, that meant at QVC, I was the camera operator. Um, I was in the audio booth and then I worked my way up to an assistant director and director where you're actually um, directing the show and doing more of the technical work. But I was a freelancer. So I had an hour from where I live, because I was still living at home. Mm -hmm. Um, The pay was amazing. So for somebody who was getting minimum wage, that was a big deal but at what cost well it was an hour and 15 minute commute or so maybe an hour and 10 minutes one way and I was usually working at night so my hours Mm -hmm. were 11 p.m to 9 a.m and then an hour going an hour coming home but great pay and a job in the field I wanted so it was this balance of what am I going to give up for that and we worked it out my mom ended up moving again (laughs) back about 15 minutes from QVC, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So then everything was great. So now what was the reason for that move? 
Well, she had moved out there because, and that was an hour away from where we really grew up, the area we grew up, but she had moved out there because she, in her orthodontic um, work, had worked for a doctor who had offices in Hershey um, and here. So it was a split, you know, so she was able during the week to go, you know, she didn't have to travel so far when she was going to the other office. Right. So then one office closed and she could move back. The one out there closed. And so she ended up moving back and she was out there during while we were in college and loved it, had a beautiful house and and, you know, loved being in a new area. And both of my sister and I were in school. So it was just her by herself. So it was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she moved back and then it was like, oh, my gosh, I have two hours every single day that I work to myself. You know, um, that I don't have to be on the road driving. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Um, But you were still working through the night then? Yes. What what was your life like then as a young, you were in your 20s, Mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. you're working through the night and all your friends are working during the day. What was your social life well, like? Well, it was great because only young people can work those crazy hours at QVC. So we were all the same age. Most of us were right out of college. Um, I had graduated a year before. Mm-hmm. So I was about 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And um, the work we were doing was exciting because it's live television. So yeah. if you love adrenaline, as I do, mm-hmm. um, sometimes too much, it's exciting. You know, the lights, camera, action. Um and there's a world going on there that you don't realize. Once you walk in, the lights are bright. People are there. We work as if it's daytime. Like, nobody knows. You're putting on, you know, this live television show, and everybody's your age. So so that we, was your community there at QVC. Exactly. Yeah. Your friends were, were the people you worked with. And so we would do happy hours sometimes at 9 a.m. Oh. <laughs> Instead of 5 p.m. Right. And that a little some something in the coffee. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, so um, to be honest, there's a bar around the corner that opens at that time. And the overnight <laughs> UPS guys would be there. Oh, um, so That is a whole other world. It is. It is. It absolutely is. And after a while, it wears on you. So that's so there are a lot of young people that work those hours. And you have a lot of support and people who know you know how to sleep and when to call you and when to leave you alone. Right. And, exactly. And that kind of thing. It doesn't. It's not good for holidays with your family who doesn't quite get it That's you right. have to sleep you know thanksgiving you eat and then you got to go to bed to go into work it's yeah that gets a yeah. little much right well speaking of exciting in that community i believe mm-hmm. something very exciting happened there for you when you met someone did at, you not at qbc yeah my husband hello <laughs> <laughs> yes and that actually yes. happens a lot at qbc too does it oh um, yes i did meet my husband kind of there. like in hollywood yes exactly we kind of you understand your work schedule you're in the same social you know groups you like the work it's exciting um so yes uh i did meet my husband and um this fall i think we're going on 12 years together so it's been it's been great he actually still works there and is now um, a supervisor in um, their master control department. And I have since left. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, okay, so you're, I want to know what what was kind of a pivotal moment for you when you realized that you really um, had a desire to to coach and train people and and help people? When did that happen? Well, in a way, I've kind of always been doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I always like to say that I felt like in high school, a lot of my friends would come to me with their problems and I would help them. Um, And I didn't like that. I wanted to be asked to go drink in the woods, you know, (laughs) um, on Friday night. But I wasn't quite the one that did that. Um, And Lord knows so many things are going on then. But I think there was always that piece of me that connected with people um, on that front. And when I worked at QVC, um, one of the things I did to cope was I, jo- I joined a gym and I had never joined a gym and worked out and I kind of built my way um, 
in the gym learning how to work out and exercise and I felt good and strong and I wanted to um, compete in bodybuilding, which is funny to say out loud now because I'm in the next chapter of my life. Um, but in that whole process of doing fitness competitions, I became a, a, a certified personal trainer and realized that women will do great things if they feel good in their skin. And it starts with taking care of your body. And as I quit QVC and became a personal trainer, and w while there, I thought, even as a young trainer, that losing weight was about a diet plan and a workout program. And, and it's not the case. I wanted to be a coach when I had this moment with a client, a personal training client, who said to me, Edna, I've been here long enough. I want these changes to happen. And she would lose some weight and then gain it back and kind of stay about the same. And she said, I'm going to come see you once a week. And you tell me what to do at my gym. And on those other six days, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And after three weeks of her getting on the scale, nothing happened. Either the scale was up or it was the same. And I looked at her and just casually, woman to woman, said, what's going on, girl? Why isn't this working? 21 days in and you haven't lost anything. And immediately the tears poured down her face. The stress poured down her face. And she told me she was a business owner and had to fire somebody she couldn't bring herself to fire. Um, she was a mom of three girls. She was like on the PTA. She had this. She had her husband. She had this. She had all this stuff on her plate. And just in conversation, again, woman to woman, I said, what can you take off your plate or say no to so that you can make some time for yourself to really achieve weight loss if that's what you want? And at the end of our conversation, the whole hour was spent talking. Um, she had two things. I don't remember what they were, but there were just two things she was going to commit to. And the following week, she stepped on the scale and the scale was down two pounds. And we looked at each other and thought, and for me, that was this big aha moment, whether those two things that she took off her plate were solely the reason why, um, she, you know, she lost those two pounds for her after not losing anything or gaining in three weeks, two pounds to her was like 20, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so for me, what I thought was, wow, there's a third piece to losing weight that's besides exercise and a diet and how you eat. We have to figure out what's going on in our heads mm -hmm. and the stress in our lives. And when we can balance that, we can feel empowered enough to take care of our body instead of obsessing about the weight and thinking it's a diet plan and I'm not exercising and I didn't burn enough calories. How about that we get control of our personal life so mm -hmm. that we can go to the gym for a little bit and do something great for, with our bodies and then go walk out those doors and do great things for the world. Yeah. You yeah, know? it's huge. It's huge switching something in your brain. Um, I would say that's so so much more important than the actual what you're eating and, and if you're exercising. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of that, when, when times are tough for you because you are um, naturally an optimist and you're a go-getter and you like challenge and you really have a lot of great qualities that that lead to a healthy lifestyle. Um, when times are tough, what is your internal dialogue? What do you say to yourself? Because I think that that's really um, a key factor in what moves us through tough times is what are we saying to ourselves? That's a really good question. Um, and when I think back to it, there's a couple of things. The first thing, one of my mantras for a long time that a lot of people know me for is how bad do you want it? And if it's hard, how bad do you want it? You know, it, with weight loss, I think it started as a, when I was a trainer. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would ask people, how bad do you want this weight loss? 
um, if you don't want it bad enough today, that's okay. We don't always want to want want everything so badly, you know. Um, but if you do, what are you going to do to get there? And I am very, very honest. I have a lot of honest conversations with myself. Edna, are you really stepping up to the plate? What more can you do? How bad do you really want this? What are you willing to do to get it? You know, and I think the way that I talk to myself is the way that I coach other people. And because I am an optimist and I've seen so many changes happen in my life and I've, you know, seen some adversity that things always have a way of working out. And so I believe that when I look at the current situation, that it's in front of me for a reason. It's either to challenge me, it's to help me grow, it's to get to the other side, it's to meet the person that I'm gonna that I'm supposed to meet to do the next thing in my life. Um, there are all these different things. So I think I tend to stay optimistic. And when you approach things, um, when you're going through struggle, as it's going to work out and you really wholeheartedly believe it, I'm not just faking it. Mm-hmm. I really do honestly believe that if I can be honest and quiet, just be quiet. I think so many times we have so much chatter in our mind, mm-hmm. distracting us, um, putting more pressure on us, telling us it's not going to work out when really every example I have is that it did work out or I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, and yeah. so it's that kind of conversation. Let's step back for a second and just look at what's really in front of me. Do I really want it badly enough? And who do I need to get in contact with or what do I need to know to go through the steps to get through that? Yeah, that's great. We're going to take uh, one last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you and I met. Yes. We'll be right back. Hmm. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? 
You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the City of Light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip, or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm having a great conversation with Edna Valentino um, today. Edna is the associate producer of Women to Watch, and she's also founder of Ignite Your Power Coaching. And um, uh, Edna was uh, talking a little bit about... um, being open to, I guess, the universe and listening to voices and trying to pay attention. And I think she was probably doing that a day that she decided to send me a message on Facebook. Yes. You were obviously thinking about it's time for a change. Um, you have a, you have two little ones at home, Marissa and Jeremy, mm-hmm. um, who you love and adore, but you were feeling like you were ready for something new. And I think that's probably what led to you and I sitting here today. So talk about that for is a few minutes. Is that crazy? Yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> and yes. yet it's so exciting. That's how yeah. I approach life, that everything that shows up is, you know, you have to approach life as an adventure. Oh my gosh, I didn't plan this. And look what ride look I get what, to go on, you know? Right, right. I could not have been happier. Um, yeah. Yes, as you mentioned, my son is three and my daughter will be one tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow? I know. Yeah. Um, so, but I always said I wouldn't be, I didn't want to be a stay at home mom, which I have nothing against other than my work was always important to me. And I always saw my mom work. So that was in my blood to really be doing work that I loved. I never really understood the concept of, and I know, you know, this is almost a luxury, but I've tried to make this happen of waking up in the morning and not wanting to go to work. So when that feeling goes away, I tend to want that change. And I'm looking and applying and, you know, trying to figure out what's next for me. Yeah. So um, work for me was always something that um, was important. And when I had my kids, I actually stayed home longer than I expected. And um, now, you know, a few months back, it felt like it was the right time to spend 
a little more time outside of the house. It was time for Edna to get back into her purpose and her mission. And, you know, what I really wanted um, to do, and I started looking for for work that would be part-time because I wasn't quite willing to give up the time that I had with the kids that I loved because it was also a part of me being a mom and being able to stay home with them was something my mom didn't have the luxury to do with us. We were always with babysitters and daycare, which is fine. You know, I'd be more than willing to do it, but because I could, I wanted to stay home as much as I could. So, um, I thought, what if I could find, and again, here's the conversation I have with myself. What do you want, Edna? Okay, let's really be clear on what it is that you want. And I wanted a part-time job that would be, um, I, I forget how many hours specifically, and maybe I could make a little bit of money and still do it in the area that I wanted to be working in. And I started looking for that. And um, Which, would for the listeners, that, that's empowering and helping women. Is that that you work? were look, yeah the work that yes. you were doing was was wanting to really help and empower women yes okay. exactly um and and you know TV production has always been um the producing piece of it has always been something I think that was in my blood that when you take a few years back and you have the kids and you look back and say what am I good at and what do I really like mm -hmm. you start realizing that too so I was looking around and seeing how my resume could really serve um, to do better and to do well in the things that I wanted to do and bumped into literally, I've never looked for a job on Craigslist. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was selling some baby furniture and posting some things and saw, I didn't even know they had classifieds on there. And of and course I'm you like, went right to the, because yeah. you love reading them. Exactly. Just in case just, there's something. Just in case. Just in case. So I click on it and I start <laughs> seeing these jobs. And once you get all the crazy, you know, ads, there was this one for producing a, a radio show. And I had just read, separate from this, a blog post from somebody talking about how 92% of the time, <clears throat> the person sitting across from the desk when you apply for a job is going to hire you if you are connected to them in some way. 92% of the time, they will, they will hire you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, w I was shocked at that number, and I thought even if it's half of that number, I better figure out how to get this part-time job that I loved. It was it was at home. It even specifically said, if you're a stay-at-home mom, this is perfect for you. It was booking guests for this show from home, using the phone, the computer. And I thought, this is perfect. This is great. And because I read that post about you better know somebody, I, I the show reminded me of your show. And I thought, I remember Sue Rocco coming to that networking event last year. Maybe she knows these people and maybe she can help me you know get this job and I email you um, on Facebook because that was the only um, contact information I had and you said lo and behold you know <laughs> I think this is a perfect I time. think I need you not them <laughs> yes. you need to come with me exactly yes. and the ideas that you and I had I mean it has been a marriage that's like so perfect that's how yeah. I describe it because <laughs> it was so perfect and it was basically doing this for women right how about that yeah. You know, and I, nothing, there's nothing wrong with men. It's just that, hey, I'm a woman and I can, you know, relate and converse. And <laughs> I always feel bad okay, for Tim, Tim. every week. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Every week. There's my my guy over there, he's, oh, more women talk. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I dove into that head first. This is exciting. I can put my producing skills together. I can network. I can meet new women. I can encourage and motivate, um, you know, women on, on my level, in my role as associate producer of the show. And because you're two years old and happy anniversary for doing it by yourself for two oh, years. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's just exciting to be a part of something that's growing, you know, yeah. and the potential is so great for the show. And I'm so excited for all the ideas that you and I can't ever stop bouncing right. off each other for how the show is going to be and exactly. what we're going to do. It's great. Yeah. It really was fate that day, that message on Facebook and that particular day, because I had really made a decision. I need some help now. Now's the time. Two years later, let's take it to the next level. And you're right. It wasn't an accident. We were supposed no, it, to meet and absolutely. we were supposed to have that conversation and get all fired up like right. we did on the yes. phone for 45 minutes. And right. um, I had lunch with my girl uh, girlfriend who was um, waiting for me after the call. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, wait till you hear what just happened to me. And <laughs> she literally she was uh, we were talking about some different um I should say hi to Jen because at the end of the the lunch, she's like, Edna, you got me all fired up. I got to go do stuff. I got to you know, go, go do my thing. Like, you know, so the energy like carried over for a while. That's a what you effect. do. That's what you do. By the way, if, if you're listening and you need someone to fire you up, Edna Valentino <laughs> is your girl. I mean, you really do. You just have a way of doing it and making it feel exciting, you know, to kind of do something in your life that, that. That's different from what you've been doing. Why yes. not? Why not try something new? And that's really where I, I, part of the reason why I came up with the name Ignite Your Power. It's that fire. It's that, you know, we all tend to have that spark at different times in, in our life. Mm -hmm. But how often do we stoke those embers that are just sitting there? Like, yeah. you know, they need to be stoked and stirred up and, and we have to do something crazy. And I should mention my mother-in-law just turned yes, 70. Yes, I wanted to hear what, what her bucket list. Yes. Tell well, me this story. It was so funny because she had wanted, and I remember remember this like it was yesterday I can't believe how fast time's flying but she had wanted to go skydiving for her 60th birthday can no you imagine way. oh my god and I have to be honest and tell you my 70 year old and I she loves how much I emphasize the age I'm sure she's going to appreciate this but it's amazing because when you look at her you would never imagine she's 70 oh. um she's what is young. her name Diane Diane yes okay. um she has a personal trainer and she works out and she challenges herself and she was in social work helping people great 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 woman and and you know watches the kids as my mom does and the the Grammys, you know, the grandmothers um, are in there getting in with the kids and sitting down and jumping up and down and, um, you know, doing their thing. But she had said we were in we were on vacation just in July and she heard a motorcycle go by and we were shopping or something. And she's like, Edna, since I didn't get the skydiving at 60, maybe I should do a Harley on at 70. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm on it. I am so on <laughs> Did you that. go chasing the guy oh down the street? Well, my sister-in-law and my husband and his brother, the four of us planned this little surprise party last weekend. And, oh, my gosh, let me tell you guys, I'm literally writing a blog post right now about it because it wasn't on my bucket list, but we made it happen. And literally 20 minutes on that on that bike with this amazing patriot, um, you know, this vet that was in the Army, Um the four guys that showed up and, and one of the, the wives that showed up at our house as a surprise, revving that oh, engine just no. got me fired oh. up. She went on that ride for 20 minutes and came back a different <laughs> woman. I kid you not. I think everybody should ride a Harley. I didn't ride it. And I felt like we should all be helping other people with their bucket list because the experience I had just 
Oh, yes. getting in touch with these men who voluntarily through an old coaching client who started her own business because she's a Harley rider and started a parts and supply store for motorcycles. I reached out to her and she emailed me within 24 hours, had somebody for me who lived five minutes from my house and I never knew him. Wow. And he got his buddies and the stories of these guys. And as my mother-in-law said, it's a brotherhood, you know, um, that these, what I like to say, bikers um, are, are are um in when they're on the highway and you see these packs of bikes going by anyway she came back at 70 years old thinking i have been way too conservative with my life i need to be doing some risky things and doing some fun things at 70 and it just got me all fired up well where's my list and and you know let me reevaluate that do i need to move number 10 up to number one or do i need to add three more or you know whatever it it doesn't surprise me that people would jump in and be willing to help with that Yes. You know, if you get a phone Don't call, somebody to? has something on their bucket list, can, and you can help me, you know, make that happen for them. People are all over that. It is absolutely, and this is something she just blurted out in July. So we can always have our bucket list evolve as we get older. But then we should all ask each other. You know, I would challenge yeah. everybody: go ask your friends and your family what's on your bucket list. And I might be able to help that do yeah, that. That's such because, a great thing. Yes, there's something in it for everybody involved, not just the person having the experience. I didn't ride the bike, and I'm like a changed person. Like, oh my I, God, I'm assuming so there's pictures of that. Oh yes, and they will be on <laughs> Facebook and um, the blog post. And, and yes, she's got the help. She's on the back hanging on. They brought her a Harley jacket. No She's way. zipping it up. They help her with the helmet. She sits there, and uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing. It was great. That's a great It was story. fun for all of us. Yeah. It, I, I'm guessing that you take a lot from your grandmother. I mean, I think that's probably where a lot of your spunk comes from. If your grandmother's riding a Har- Harley at 70. That was my mother-in-law. My husband, oh, that's your mom. mother-in-law. Yes, oh, but, your mother-in-law. Well, my grandmother's spunky too, so She's spunky too. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, she she does, you know. Yeah. And I think we feed off each other too. She gets challenged by by some of the things that she sees yeah. me doing. I bet. <laughs> you know, we only have a minute left, and mm-hmm. and I could talk to you all day, of course. Um, and I want to make sure that I, I took a quote off of your website because I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, and you said, "As the designer of my own life, I say what goes." That is such a great reminder for everyone. I think we get caught up in um, what people think of us. What are they going to think? What should I be doing? And when you remind yourself, it is your life. You can do whatever you want. And isn't that so cool? It's a great reminder, right? Yeah, it is. And, And I think our past is our story, and it's brought us to where we are today. But you don't have to stay back there. Use your past to empower you for the future. That's right. And I think all of the change that I had in my past is exciting to me in the future, and I look at everything as an adventure. So take your past um, and bring it to you in the future. Make it a positive thing to yeah. make the world better. Yeah. Great, great lesson and, and a piece of advice for the end of the show. Thanks so much for coming, and we're going to do this again. Thank you that so was much. a lot of fun. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week of Women to Watch. Again, um, I was in the studio today with Edna Valentino. Please check out her Ignite Your Power coaching, and it's igniteyourpowercoaching.com. Have a great week, everyone.